Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Helen. And I'm Sarah. And this is the Squiggly Careers Podcast, a weekly podcast to help you to navigate the ups and downs of your squiggly career, where we share lots of practical ideas for action to give you a little bit more confidence, clarity, and control over all the different things that you might be doing. And today we are going to be discussing how you can talk about your values in your team. It has been a while since Sarah and I talked about values. Actually, it's over 250 episodes ago, which probably someone might be listening to this as like a new listener and they might have only listened to values last week but for us mm-hmm. it's a long time since we did a podcast it's episode 42 and that particular episode was much more about how you discover what your values are so if you're listening to this and you haven't you know you never listened to that episode i'd say you know take away the tips and things we're going to share with you today but i would listen to those two podcasts together like episode 42 so you know what your values are and then this one's about how you kind of put them into action within the context of a team and values are one of the skills that we think are most fundamental to succeeding in a squiggly career because one of the big benefits of a squiggly career is you can really have a career as individual as you are you don't have to follow in other people's footsteps and you know stick out on the same career path you might have started out on but being able to design your career around you takes that knowledge of what does make me me what does motivate and drive me and that's why values are so important but if you don't take that awareness and put it into action it's not really giving you all the benefit that you need and so when you have the awareness and you talk about it in your team it's much more likely that you're going to be able to take action with it which is what we're trying to pair here the awareness and the action And so a quick recap on values just to set the scene for today's podcast. So as Helen just said, values are the things that motivate and drive us. We sometimes describe them as they're what make you, you. Everyone has values. There's no right values or wrong values. No one's values are better than anyone else's. And you don't have work values and home values. You just have your values. What we are particularly interested in today is those values in the context of your teams. So the previous episode that we did was more about just how do you explore and discover your values. And we're now thinking about, well, how do you make those values useful as part of a team and as part of the work that you do? And a question I often get asked is how similar or how much of an overlap should there be between my values and my organization's values? If my organization has values, not every organization does, but lots do. It's quite a common thing now to see. And I think just remember that your organizational values 
are sort of written for everyone. It is very rare that your values will be exactly the same as your organization's values because your values are really unique to you, a bit like your organization's values are really unique to them. But I think it is really useful if you can connect the dots between your value and your organization's values. So to be really specific, like one of my values is achievement. And when I was working at Sainsbury's, one of the things there that was a kind of value for Sainsbury's was make it happen. And so, you know, it's not too many leaps to get from achievement to make it happen. I remember when I was at Virgin, one of Virgin's values is about red hot as a company value. And one of mine is about energy. And those to me, even though like that wasn't how they described what red hot meant, that was what it meant to me. Like I, I could connect my value of energy with their value of red hot. And there is um, a quote from Brené Brown, which is a tiny bit cheesy, but I do think, uh, which should make me pause for thought, I was like, do I include it? But I do think she is saying something really important here in terms of how we use values, how we make them useful for us. And she says, living into our values means that we do more than profess our values, we practice them. We walk our talk. We are clear about what we believe and hold important. And we take care that our intentions, words, thoughts and behaviours align with those beliefs. I think that's sort of Helen's summary of awareness and action. I think the word there that really stood out for me when I read that is that point about it's not just about professing, it's about practising them. So that's really what we're going to try and dive into today is like, well, how do you sort of practise your values in the context of your team where everyone will be different and everyone will have different values? And there are three big benefits of being able to have these conversations about the things that motivate and drive you within your team. The first is that I think it puts the right thing first, which is that you end up starting with the who, the who you're working with and what motivates and drives them. Whereas a lot of the time at work, we may, if we're lucky, start with the why, you know, why are we working on this thing today? But very often, I think we spend just loads of time on the what. What needs to be done? What are we doing first? And this is actually more about, well, who is doing the work and what's important to them? And, you know, what's the motivation they're getting from doing the work? And you just get to understand a little bit more about the people rather than just the day-to-day work that people are doing. I always think about the difference between like human doings and human beings. And I wonder like on an average week at work, how much time it's about human doings versus human beings. And for me, understanding the who and what motivates and drives the people that you're spending the most time with at work is where you get more into that human being bit. Which then goes on to the second benefit, which is about empathy. Because once you understand what motivates and drives people, I think you have more empathy for how they respond to different situations. So for example, one of Sarah's values is ideas. And I know that sometimes when Sarah and my work is just really, really busy, like we are in delivery mode, we have got to meet a deadline and we're doing lots of session deliveries and there's some dates that just can't move, then that delivery will dominate Sarah's days. And I understand that she will start to feel frustrated because she hasn't got that space to think and to generate ideas. But now I also know that I work in a different way. I don't need that same level of space because one of my values is achievement. For me, that's like wins along the way. So I can get almost robotic. But the fact that we know that about each other, I sort of know that in times of busyness, Sarah needs time out because that's what she's all about. And Sarah knows that in times of busyness, I can become quite robotic. And it's just that understanding that that's how we both respond to those situations. And rather than getting frustrated with each other, we have more empathy for that way that we automatically responded. And it's that sort of stuff that you get to. And I think 
values are never an excuse for bad behavior. I think that is always really important. I can't blame my values for, you know, not listening to Helen properly or, or, you know, getting angry or blaming her for things. You can't go, oh, it's sort of my values fault. But I think what it can help you to do is, you know, none of us are perfect. And it helps us to understand why someone might be finding something hard. I think it can help us to understand if you're surprised by something. You know, if someone acts in a slightly different way to the way that you see them show up most of the time, maybe that's because their values, there's some sort of tension with their values or the values are missing in some way. And so let's imagine Helen was having a conversation with me and we were in that kind of very relentless mode and there was no space. I, I probably start to shut down a bit. And you don't see that from me all the rest of the time. But if you sort of don't know my values, you you might just then start to think, you make some other assumptions, don't you? You think, well, Sarah's not being very collaborative or maybe Sarah doesn't care. And those things are not necessarily true. It's almost just my response to that moment. So like I say, we're not trying to make excuses, but I think the more that we just all understand this about each other, we can have that empathy. And that's just, if you think about what empathy is, empathy is kind of walking in other people's shoes. So by Helen knowing my values, she can sort of have a go at walking in my shoes and going, what's today going to be feeling like for Sarah? What's this week going to feel like for Helen, for people in our team? And then we can sort of respond and be more supportive, I think, as a result. It's interesting when you say, what's this feeling like for that person? But I think as well as feeling, I think it helps with feedback because you might be able to say to me, look, Helen, I know you're trying to get a lot done this week, which is my achievement thing, but don't forget that this is going on elsewhere in the team. And it can mean the feedback that Sarah could give me, for example, could be just useful at another level because it's sort of values-based feedback. And to that point around they're not an excuse for bad behaviour, I might not even know that I'm sort of falling into sort of bad behaviour because my values are driving me quite strongly in that situation. But that feedback that Sarah gives me can be even, even more helpful because she knows that about me. And then that gets on to the third benefit, really, was it, it just helps us to understand the differences that we have. We are not trying to have a homogenous team where everybody's values are the same. It can be useful where you've got, you know, points of connection and points of difference. So again, for example, Sarah and I both have the word achievement as one of our values, but it actually means different things to each other. And that is so useful to know that we're both driven by getting things done, but how we how we want to do those things is very different so achievement for Sarah is more about one really big thing that we can go after over quite a long period of time like writing a book for example whereas that doesn't do it for me I'm like but what can I do this week can I write one article this week and get it out and get some feedback from it that's more what it's like but again you you find those points of connection sometimes you proactively find points of potential conflict but it means that you don't really fall into difficult conversations about that because you're aware of it in advance and and that's the difference that this makes so what we've got is four ideas for action for you on how you might use values within a team for some exercises some conversations some collaboration and i think the second part of this is also how you talk about and frame values in your team I think there are lots of teams where if you've not really done values before, or perhaps values is not a word that comes up loads in your organisation, going straight in with let's do some values exercises would definitely be some people's kind of worst nightmare (laughs) and might be really off-putting. And then you might lose the value of doing values. So I think don't be afraid to position this in different ways, to position this as getting to know each other spending some time like understanding each other and what's most important to each of us and so you don't have to use that word values some teams I know will be 
able to do this perhaps they've already done some work on values or you're just that feels like a good fit kind of words wise for your culture and how you work but I think when we talk through each of these I don't think you really have to sort of add values as a phrase into any of these I think they just all work anyway but you sort of know that the deeper purpose here is just to start to get a sense of people's values lots of people don't know their values really well or they might have some awareness it takes quite a long time to be really kind of consciously competent when it comes to your values and so we don't need to also expect everybody to have all of the answers when we do this so we want to make these things easy and accessible I think if you're going to go away and suggest this to your team kind of have those things in mind how do I make this easy and accessible and something that everyone could enjoy Also, you don't have to be a manager to do some of the things that we're talking about now. You could say, oh, I've noticed that because we're not coming into the office as much and we've got a few new starters that people are feeling a bit disconnected. I'd love to suggest an activity, like one of the things that we're going to talk about now that could help people get together a bit more or just spend a bit of time, not just talking about what we're doing, but learning more about each other. So you don't have to be a manager. I think feel empowered, particularly if there's an opportunity that you spot that this could make a difference to how the team's working to suggest this to your manager as well so the first idea for action is called more about me and this is creating something that gives people a framework for sharing more about them so kind of what's important to them so you sort of get a sense of what people's values might be and there are quite a few different ways you can do this and I think especially at the moment with people working in a hybrid way all of these exercises work virtually and in person so you could do them either way but if you are looking for opportunities to collaborate opportunities to be together I would say if you have the chance to do these things in person that is always brilliant because these are really nice things where like I always love kind of seeing people's reactions and it's it's quite a nice way to kind of get away from screens but for some companies if you're all fully remote they all work kind of on zoom or on teams as well So we actually have a more about me framework that you'll be able to download and we'll include that to the links in the podcast show notes. If you ever can't find anything, you can always just email us. We're Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com. So more about me includes questions like what five words describe me? I work best when? Come to me if you need help with? One thing I'd love some help on? And one piece of career advice I found helpful. So we've just put together a few questions where if you answer those questions you would get a feel for who someone is I think one together let's do one uh, one. well I was going to say I think we should add one in and maybe we could both answer this this one (gasps) okay is when I re-looked at more about me I was like oh I think we should also have I'm at my worst when Mm. now that is more vulnerable I guess and maybe that wouldn't be for everyone but I think like you and I would definitely be up for doing that so let's maybe answer that one so what's your I'm at my worst when (laughs) you <laughs> tell me like no is this, this is Sarah trying to give me feedback she's like you, you think that's when no um I think I'm at my worst when I have some stuff that I want to get done so a combination of sort of selfishness and time pressure so I'm like I want to get this done and I don't have a lot of time to do it I think in that moment I can get quite dismissive of other people's priorities so if I've got my to-do list and like so basically a Friday a Friday afternoon when I'm like don't get in touch with me I just want to get my stuff done because I've not got a lot of time to do it that's probably my I think I can be a risk being a little bit dismissive of other people at that particular point in time that's quite interesting as well because that's a it's almost like a time of week thing Hmm. where you've gone is actually like I've got like this real kind of high risk moment in my week where and you can see how that might be quite a frequent thing so that's like really that is really useful to know and I wouldn't 
obviously we work together a lot. I wouldn't have known that. I wouldn't have been able to say, oh, it's a Friday afternoon. But even by you just sharing that specific example, it would probably make me think, do I need to share this on a Friday? Could it wait till Monday? Mm, <laughs> you know, like, mm. that, and that's that's just really helpful because the reality is we are all busy. So it's a sort of a very understandable, I'm at my worst one. I think mine would be, I mean, I can actually think of quite a few examples, but I'll just pick one. <laughs> one of mine would be when things change at the last minute. So I don't like spontaneity. <laughs> I like to plan and I like to be in control and I like to feel organised. And so when things go wrong unexpectedly, or just when things change at the very last minute and we have to I actually it's funny I love change but I sort of like leading change I think I like being I like being in control of change I do not like tomorrow this thing is changing or like now this thing is changing there's just something about me that just I sort of freeze I think my reaction to that is freezing and it just takes me I know it about myself and you will you will have seen this I'm sure sure you'll (laughs) share something in a minute no doubt but it just takes me a a little while and depending on what it is sometimes it can take five minutes but sometimes it might take five days I think I go through a freeze unfreeze process when that happens and so I do get there but that length of time can be quite different depending on what it is and I think if you didn't know that about me sometimes you might be like well what's happened to Sarah she's either not responding or she's not responding how I thought she because basically I mean I'm still frozen and I've not quite got to unfreeze yet do you yeah. recognise that, Helen? Yes, yes, I reckon. I think it's control at the heart of it. So yeah, I think you are actually very good at adapting in the moment if you are in control of the adaption. <laughs> like if you're like, okay, this isn't working, let's just do this. Like I see it, everything from team meetings to sessions that we're running to events that we're doing. If you are in control of the adaption, it's fine. It's like, follow me. But what I think you don't like in the moment is if other people are changing things around you because I think that it's about it's about control but what you want is you're not particularly difficult it's just I can see the freeze I can see that it's almost like a stutter it's almost like Mm. uh and I I can almost like hear the stutter but I can see it as well because I know you because it's just like the the energy to move it forward isn't there you kind of want to just like freeze in that moment but it doesn't take very long for you to unfreeze but that's really helpful and imagine if someone was working with Helen or I for the first time how helpful it would be to know those things you already start to get a sense of like what's most important and if I again as you were describing that I was trying to connect the dots between when I'm at my worst and sort of why in terms of my values I think it's because it jeopardizes my achievement value because in my head I'm sort of achieving probably but in this I framed that achievement in a certain way and I'm very committed and driven to that achievement and so I think it's almost like chipping away in my head it chips away at that so like that's why you get to that point about achievement. There are a couple of other exercises that you can do. So more about me is one way to do it. Another way that you could do it is something called the four H's, which I think we have mentioned before on the podcast. And I will put, there is a great article about an American football team that have used the four H's and they used it when a team wasn't working. So they felt like the team didn't, weren't kind of playing for each other. Essentially, they were sort of a team of individuals, but they weren't playing as a team and they weren't performing on the pitch. And the four H's stand for heroes, history, heartbreak, and hopes. And the way that that team did it is they took it in turns and they all got, I think it was like five minutes, not very long, five or 10 minutes. And you could talk about heroes, history, heartbreak, hopes, kind of in whatever order you wanted to. But that was your sort of structure for sharing with the rest of the team. And everybody else just listens. And you just listen for that five minutes or for that 10 minutes. I actually know somebody else who did this exercise 
and everybody did it at the same time. So the American football team split it. So like almost they were getting together every week and sort of every week they started their get together with someone doing their 4Hs. So you could do it like that. I do know someone else where they were getting together for a new network and they used it as a very quick way for that network to get to know each other, which I also thought was a really lovely idea. So that's a slightly different framework. And then one that I know Helen's used before, which I always really love, and we've never done as a team, but I would really like to, is a Spotify playlist. So I think this is a great one if you're thinking values could potentially just feel like you might get maybe not a brilliant reaction to this idea of doing values but most people love music or love some music so the idea here is everybody chooses a track that just means something to them and then you put together kind of a playlist for your team you play those tracks and then people just talk a little bit about like why they chose that track i think this is like the easiest starting point probably for values that we're going to talk about today and i think if you just wanted something like fun and energizing and quite upbeat there's something great about just playing music for a start that maybe we don't expect at work unless maybe you work in spotify i guess or and i think everybody has a song it's very sort of universally like appealing for everybody i remember when i did this as well it's, it's quite interesting because my the song that i chose was a uh, mary poppins a spoonful of sugar for various reasons that i won't go into but i'm going to i don't think you know this i'm going to see mary poppins this weekend with my daughter madeline so i might i might uh, listen to that song with a little a little smile about this podcast recording oh, in mind <laughs> that's nice Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So our second idea for action is all about high, low learning. So it's often in the highest moments in a working week that our values are present. And it is in our lower moments in a working week that there's something missing. There's something that we need that is not there. And this is a really good exercise to do in pairs because I think you get really, really practical. Sometimes, you know, some of these reflection exercises can sometimes feel a bit theoretical, but literally thinking about what was the best moment this week 
week and what was a moment that wasn't working well for me really helps you to see how this stuff is playing out in your day-to-day work so for example one of the best moments for me this week would have been an event that Sarah and I did yesterday actually and the reason why and it's always important to do sort of why was it a high was because I felt like there were lots of sort of micro moments of achievement because there was, you know, each sort of moment on that agenda was a win along the way. And there was huge amounts of energy in the room. And for one of my other values is growth. And the last time that we had the community that we'd brought together in a room was about sort of two and a half years ago now, sort of pre-pandemic. And to really think about how much that particular group of people and the work that we do with that group of people had grown over that period was, was very rewarding. So I can see so much of what matters most me in that moment in my working week and equally you might go to a low which probably for me would have been earlier in the week when I was working on my own in my office and what can I learn from a low is that I get a lot of energy from being around lots of people so if I'm spending quite a lot of time on my own I start to feel sort of a bit isolated that I'm not getting the energy that helps me to achieve that I'm not getting the inspiration that helps me grow all those other things that are important I would recommend if when you're doing this in pairs that you just do the reflection so I might talk to Sarah about my high and my low and then Sarah can sort of play back what she's heard because what it does is it means that Sarah stays like a really active listener because she's got a job she is listening to what I'm saying she's picking out the words that I'm saying the most she's trying to spot clues that I you know words that I keep repeating for example and then what happens is when she replays those clues back to me it creates clarity for me because I might not really realize what insights are in what I'm sharing and she can do that and then you can do it for each other so it's it's a really good exercise to do in pairs Yeah, the reason I like it so much in pairs, and we've seen this in action so many times, is I love the fact you can just share your high and your low without having to think about it too much. Like your partner's job is to really listen and to say, oh, do you realise you said freedom four times or you got really motivated and animated in this moment, but all your job, the other person's job to do is just go, this moment was brilliant this moment was not so great and you you're not going to do too much thinking you've just got to share and again it's usually something what's really nice about this is doing it within the last week most people can do it if you actually broaden this or kind of zoom out and do oh in the last six months or in the last year it's a harder exercise to do Mm. because you're asking people you know we don't have great memories generally and you're asking people to think quite deeply and they probably need more time to repair or reflect beforehand so it actually makes the awareness sort of actually less meaningful versus actually doing it in the moment increases that meaningfulness and then it's a really easy exercise to encourage people to continue to do for themselves I think you then if you've done it as a pair I think you then as an individual start to spot this for yourself Mm -hmm. so you sort of help someone else and then you can continue to help yourself and I think it also prompts other conversations so really easy exercise but probably of all the ones that we've done I've done we've done this a lot in rooms and a lot in workshops and everyone comes back from this exercise when they've been in breakouts just really feeling really energized so it's a really good exercise so idea for action three is called a quarterly compass review so we think of values as a bit like a career compass when we're thinking about them in the context of how are they useful for your career and the reason that we think of them as a compass is they guide you they guide your choices they help you to make sure that you're heading in the right direction And in a world of squiggly careers where there's loads of change and uncertainty, I sort of feel good that I've got this imaginary career compass that's a bit more of a constant that I can keep coming back to and I can keep using as a filter for 
Am I doing work that I really enjoy? Am I doing work that I find fulfilling? Is there anything that isn't quite working for me? And this isn't a kind of binary black or white, like, oh, once I live all of my values at work, they stay still. We want to have a way to keep revisiting, like, how much am I using my values and kind of living my values, practicing my values, to use Brené's term, through the work that I'm doing. And again, this could be one of those ones, a bit like Helen said, sometimes values can be a little bit theoretical and abstract. If we just talked around this, again, you sort of risk, you know, like sort of either a nice chat or sort of a waffly discussion. And both Helen and I have used this with managers, but I think you could also use this with mentors. You could even discuss this as a team, as a whole, potentially. So you could use this in a few different ways. And that is take your three or four values or what you think your values might be, even if they're still just clues as to what your values might be you might not have exact right words I don't think that matters too much and for each of them either give them a red amber green score or a score out of 10 I tend to find a score out of 10 feels more useful for me and that's because when we then get onto like the so what of this I find it a bit easier with the out of 10 but I have also done it with the red amber green rating and that that got me started so you might want to experiment with what feels useful for you So to bring this to life, if I was doing this right now, my four values are achievement, ideas, learning and variety. So if I was having a conversation with Helen as my manager or my mentor, let's imagine she's one of those two things or both of those things at the moment, I might say to Helen, so in my work right now, I feel like I'm at an eight out of 10 for achievement, a six out of 10 for ideas, a seven out of 10 for learning and a nine out of 10 for variety. And so automatically you then start to kind of go well well what are you doing well that's helping achievement and variety to be in such a good place we don't want to ignore that because you want to keep doing what's working well it's really easy to go straight to oh ideas were six that's where we automatically all want to go and you're probably listening and going they're going to jump fix the six fix fix the six (laughs) and you do want to fix the six but first i think it is just good to acknowledge and recognize and notice oh there's an eight and a nine there that's high So like talk to me about what in your work is contributing to those things. How could you increase those opportunities? How do you sustain? How do you continue? So keep doing the good stuff that's helping your values to be really present in your work. So we don't want to ignore that. Then we might want to look at the six and the seven. And I think what's helpful there is thinking, so what would it take to get from a six on ideas to a seven or eight? Like what would that look like? And I think if I'm having that conversation with Helen, I've maybe got an idea. I've maybe thought about that beforehand and think ideas doesn't feel as present as I would like it to be. I'm not sort of practicing ideas as much as I would like to be. Could I get involved in this project? Is there an opportunity over here? I might have some initial first thoughts that I'm going to share with Helen. But then Helen's value is that Helen might know opportunities or possibilities that I can't see that she could share with me. And before this, she might not have realized that my ideas were a six out of 10. She might be like, oh, I know Sarah loves ideas, but I feel like she probably gets enough of that. So she's sort of understanding how I'm feeling about it. And then she has the chance to then support me, to then get really specific about actions and just explore. You don't need to fix the six like in that moment, but it is just good to just to know about it because then it just helps you to have that. It's almost like confirmation bias. Like once you know it, you then start to spot oh, well, actually, there's this opportunity over here, which feels like it leads and leads lots of you ideas. And actually, Sarah, sort of, she needs to kind of fill up that ideas well a bit right now. So that would be a really great opportunity for her. Versus if I'd said I was a eight or a nine, 
then maybe there's someone else somewhere else who that would be a better fit for. And I, I just think this makes conversations about values so much more easy to discuss because the alternative to this would be, let's say somebody's not feeling great at work at the moment and they've gone to their manager and this becomes, I think, quite a tricky conversation because I'm, I'm their manager and I'm going, how are you feeling? They're going, oh, I don't know, not great at the moment. And I'm like, well, what, you know, what's going on? I don't know, just not quite working out. It's not quite what I want at the moment. And I'm like, well, how can I help you to be happier at work? And that, that's like, how can I help you to be happier at work is a massive question. Yeah. Really massive. It's gonna is complex and hard and the other person probably doesn't know because it's like, uh, too big. Whereas when you break it down into, well, these are my values, therefore these are the things that make me happy at work. And against each of these things, that make me happy at work this is how I'm feeling right now accepting that might look different in a month it means that we can just have a much more specific conversation and then when you start to build a scale into that so I've gone not just from generically what makes me happy but into these sort of three or four things and then for each of those three or four things I've got a scale we just get to a much more meaningful conversation about that thing and you can do that more regularly whereas just the how can I help you be happy at work is too big too big and it's too hard and it's probably an uncomfortable discussion for lots of people this becomes easier okay ideas are important to you when have you had you know, whenever you've felt like you were generating more ideas in the past what could we do differently now specific conversation that might make a small difference in the moment but it's these small differences rather than having these massive highs and you know really significant lows with the idea of using this as a quarterly compass it's sort of like lots of little adjustments that help you to be happier every day rather than you know just sort of dismissing this until you're you're having a really bad month mm-hmm. or a bad six months I think and I think this is often the you know when people talk to me sometimes about there's nothing wrong at work but the they're just not feeling it. They're just feeling a bit demotivated, sort of feel like they've lost their kind of mojo a bit, but they can't pinpoint something specific. Often it's really easy if you're like, my manager's really difficult. You're like, okay, well, that's hard, but I I sort of know what I need to do or I, I know sort of what I've got to try and work with here. Whereas if you're sort of feeling more vaguely this doesn't feel great, but I don't know why. I often yeah. think this, like values is the answer usually to that. So it's kind of always quite helpful to know that. The other thing about having these conversations is work doesn't have to be all of the answer to increasing these scores from six to seven, from seven to eight. And I think it's also worth thinking about that. So though we're talking about this in the context of work and in your teams, it might be that Helen and I are having a conversation where we say, okay, I'm a six out of 10 at the moment. One of the things that I think I'd like to do is I'd like to do some volunteering for something where I know I'm going to get to use my ideas value. Or I'm just going to get, or there's a hobby that I'm going to spend a bit more time on because all of the answers don't need to come from your day job. If as many of the answers as possible can come from your day job, great, because you're spending a lot of time in that job. But I think we've also got to let go of, you know, the expectations of your work can't sort of fulfill all of what's important to you in your world. And we know that. And that's why your values are not work values and home values. And so interestingly, when you're doing this scale, important, I think, for you to be clear about are these scores across all of your week, all of your life, or just in your in your working week. And if they are just in your working week, don't forget you've got the rest of your life that you can also look to to increase those scores. Like even small things can make a really big difference. Like I find if I'm having like a lower achievement score, if I'm then playing sports, because I get a real sense of achievement from playing sport, you go, oh, but I've increased that value from something that's nothing to do with work, but then I feel better at work as well. So I think we don't want to be too certainly not asking our managers or mentors to sort of fix this but it is a really good 
prompt I think for specific conversations around something that actually can really then increase people's motivation and meaning at work yeah absolutely and just to kind of close off on it like one again I mentioned one of my values is energy like tonight for example I'm I'm going out with a community I'm part of and sometimes you might think oh Helen you're a bit tired you've got a lot on is that really something you should prioritize but Sarah would know that I need that's part of how I get my energy fulfilled and it's a way that I get it fulfilled outside of work so it's sort of a thing to support and see why I do that so our fourth and final idea for action is all about using someone within your team who knows about your values as a helpful filter for your future and I I mean I obviously have a high level of trust with Sarah so I find this easy to do so I do think trust is important in this particular idea for action but when you are making career decisions so maybe you're thinking about changing the shape of your work or moving to another role inside or outside of your business or studying something at the same time as you're working any of those kind of decisions sometimes we can find those decisions difficult to make because we're just not sure what to do we're not we're not sure what the right answer is and to be honest, I think, I don't know how often there are right answers. There's just the decision you make and you commit to. But what can I think be really helpful is when you are in that decision-making process to have somebody that you trust and somebody that knows your values because you've done some of the stuff that we've just talked about who can hold your values up to you as a bit of a filter for those future decisions and say, okay, Helen, well, you know, you talked previously that energy was really important to you. So which one of these options do you have energy for or when you're talking about this option, you seem to have more energy for it. How does that connect with your values? And just to ask you some of those curious questions because they know you and they know your values and they're using that to help you prompt some thinking about the decisions that you're making. And I've always found that really useful because there's so many factors that go into your decision making, you know, what you're trying to sort of sort of predict what a future is going to be sometimes. And you can't predict the future. But what you do know is your values because they're your constant. And I think it just helps you to be a little bit more balanced about a decision making process and somebody else doing that for you, that sort of prompting gives you some perspective that you might not have for yourself in that moment. Yeah, it's interesting just listening to you there. I was thinking, it's sort of peer-to-peer values coaching, mm. which actually might be something useful for us to think about like as a resource for people for, if you're doing this for somebody, probably someone you already know and you trust. Like I don't, you know, I think you've got to have that as kind of the basis for these conversations. But what are the sorts of useful questions that are values-based coaching questions that you can ask somebody? Because we're probably very used to doing this and obviously this is the world that we spend all of our time in. But when we go to kind of friends or family or maybe like work best friends to have these conversations you do feel a real responsibility you know you can see that someone's either stuck or they're making a really big choice or they're searching for a right answer and I think if you sort of look at that through the lens of you know reminding someone like so well what's most important to you about this decision or what's most important to you about your working week at the moment is it a four-day week? Is it lots of flexibility about how you work? I'm having quite a few conversations with people at the moment where they're thinking about what they want to do and they really want to be around people again in a physical space. And maybe that's because they like love to collaborate. Maybe collaboration is a really important value to them. So often people won't will rarely talk in values. You'll rarely go, my value is X. And that means Y, because that would also be a bit weird but what but I think even like having those conversations I think because of what we do I sort of often do start to get a sense for what's most important to this person and therefore the sorts of questions that you might ask that might be useful yeah is that going to 
are you guessing that you're going to get more of that value or do you know? You know, for example, you can just start to be that really useful mirror, I think, for people to kind of just hold up somebody's either decision or opportunity to kind of just help them really think it through, particularly if they feel like they're going around in circles or they just can't see the wood from the trees anymore. Absolutely. And if you're doing that for somebody else, I think just make sure that you're in ask mode, not advise mode, Mm. because they're they're two different things. You could be a mentor, but maybe if they've gone around gathering lots of other people's opinions, they probably don't need another one. Okay, that's because it's sort of like the more information they've got, the more confused they are. What you could really do to help them in that moment is ask them questions that get them to clarity rather than give them yet another opinion that's going to keep them spiraling about their decision. So they are our four ideas for action. So let's just recap them for you. The first is more about me and we've got a good PDF to help you with that, which I'll tell you about where you can get in a second. The second is that high, low learning exercise. The third idea for action was the quarterly compass review. And the fourth idea for action was using someone in your team as a filter for your future. We will summarize the ideas for action and also some links to some resources that we think will be helpful for you in our Squiggly Careers pod sheet. You can get the link to that. If you listen on Apple, it's pretty easy to find. It's on the description and you'll just be able to click through. If you don't listen on Apple, do not worry, you don't need to, but go to our website, amazingif.com. If you go to the podcast page and find this podcast on how to talk about values in teams, you'll see all the resources. You'll see the pod notes, you'll see the pod sheet. You'll also see a little recording that we do. And if you want to be a part of a conversation about this topic, you can always join pod plus it's every thursday morning for 30 minutes at 9 a.m again all the links to that stuff are on our website and you can even sign up for pod mail which will just give it to you every week in an email so it's all in one place for you so thank you so much for listening we really do appreciate it we know loads of you share squiggly with other people subscribe you write us reviews that we read every week and talking about those highs in in our week that's definitely always a moment for me i always look out for that email that summarizes any new reviews we've got because they always just feel really personal and they also help us to know where we're being useful and relevant for you too so if you've got two minutes to leave us a review we'd always really appreciate it but that's everything for this week thank you so much for listening and we'll be back with you again soon bye everyone bye everyone small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right because rustoleum's new custom spray five and one gives you control with five different spray patterns so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.